Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be mm, less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. I want to thank you for joining us and we hope that you will listen and sleep. Follow us on Twitter at Listen and Sleep. Rate us on iTunes. Send us a little shout out if you have an idea for a show you'd like us to talk about. Please let us know. Today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. You can receive $50 towards the purchase of your next mattress if you go to caspertrial.com slash insomnia. That's right, insomnia, like our podcast here. And you get a 100-night trial, 10-year warranty on that mattress. A deal like that you don't find everywhere, that's for sure. I want to welcome a special guest to the podcast today. Jen Viennes to the show. Welcome, Jen. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Jen, uh, we mentioned that we were going to do a podcast with you on the last show because we were talking about marathons, but I'm just going to back up a bit. First, I'm going to say if you'd like to follow Jen on Twitter, it's at Jen C. Viennes. Did I say that right? Yep, correct. Did I say it right off the top of the show? Yeah, you did. Okay, great. (laughs) If you want to follow her on Instagram. And I don't know if I follow you on Instagram, so I'm going to have to do this. It's at Jen Viennes. Then that's spelled V-I-E-N-S, correct? Perfect. Oh, there you go. Okay, I got that out of the way. But we should talk about how we first... Don't worry, the dog is lapping up water. I don't I don't think the microphone picks it up. Um, Adds to the ambiance. Yeah, sure. You know, everyone should stay hydrated. In fact, I think I'm going to take a little drink of my water in a second. But uh, we should talk about how... You were a participant or a, I don't know how to describe it, but an, a key player in us getting this podcast. <laughs> wow, I'm flattered. And do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Because when we did that, and our listeners who have been listening all along may know the origin story of the Insomnia Project with the Nuit Blanche exhibit. Right. You were one of the people that were, that were key and instrumental in helping us get that night together. Yeah, that was a great night. Tell us what you did because that night my head was everywhere and I know that you were like you were everywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a great night. Yeah, you were definitely, yeah, you were all over the place. You had a lot to focus on. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I was the, 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 the frontline facilitator, I right. guess you could say. So uh, I was greeting the people, and, and uh, it was really neat because we had members of the general public come in, and they had the opportunity to be interviewed, and they were given a random topic. So I was taking registrations, and I was taking care of the queue and the wait list, and uh, I guess sort of a little bit of crowd control. Oh, I, I would say a lot of <laughs> crowd control. There was moments. So just to recap, it's a all-night art exhibit that happens in this case in Toronto uh, once a year called Nuit Blanche, where you can go to different exhibits. We had an ex- exhibit that was interactive, visual, and it was called the Insomnia Project. And uh, that's where we really got to sort of uh, work together. And that was part one of the reasons that our podcast is here today. So thank you for that. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was a great night to be involved in. Now, let's talk about something else you're involved in. Okay. It sounds a little clandestine. I know. I was like, oh, my dear, my secrets are being revealed. Let's make sure the tax man's not (laughs) listening. Um, We mentioned on the last show that Nidhi is getting into running and marathons. And she said it was because of you. (sighs) Tell me how your road led to running and marathons. Well, you know, it's funny because I hated running for most of my life. Okay. I was the kid in gym class when they were like, we're going to do the 12-minute run. I came up with any excuse to run and hide, for sure. Nice. Uh, And then, actually, it started a couple of years ago when I moved to Montreal, and uh, my now husband, then fiancé, dragged me to the gym with him. And you're originally from BC, right? Yeah, I'm from Vancouver, yeah. So from BC, Ontario, and now you're in Montreal. Yeah, I just keep getting further east. I'm going to go to Europe next. Sure, sure. (laughs) Cross the water. (laughs) Yeah, so I I I reluctantly went to the gym with him, you know, tried to impress him. It was early in the relationship. I was like, I'm going to do it. And uh, I went on and I got on the treadmill and I hated it. Sure. just about died. It was the hardest 45 minutes of my life, which, by the way, at that time was only two kilometers. Okay. That was very slow. Uh, but I got, I, I went back two days later and I tried it again and it was still terrible, but it was a little bit better. And then slowly but surely I started to increase my mileage and something happened and Amazing. I started to love, hate it. Okay. As, as many athletes can sort of describe their, their love, hate relationship with their sport because it's like pushing yourself to the brink and you're in pain, but sure. you're also loving it. And then it kind of took off from there and then. The table sort of turned, and Brendan stopped running regularly, and oh. I just carried on. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then a girlfriend of mine asked me um, pretty early on in my running career, if you can call it that, if I wanted to run a half marathon with her. I had never trained. I hadn't run anything over a 5K at this point, and I wow. said, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, I don't know what I was thinking. It was a bit crazy. But uh, I, d- I went and I ran it. And uh, to my surprise, I came in at under two hours and I loved it. Wow. And I was hooked, totally hooked from there that moment go. on. Yeah. So there was no definite turning point for you with regards to love-hate. It just kind of, over time, all of a sudden, you found the pleasure um, in the pain, could you say? Or pleasure yeah. in the, like... Um, in the effort, I In think. the effort, yeah. Maybe that's the right Yeah. Thing. I mean, some people will talk about their aha moments sure. for a lot of stuff. Like, this right. was the moment I knew. Right. But for me, I guess it was kind of like, I just woke up one day and I went, oh, I've gotten past whatever that was. And wow. now I can't imagine my life without it. And now I run every day and I notice it on days when I can't. Really? Get it in. I, I feel a difference. Okay. So it's, uh, it's interesting. But if you can ask anybody that knew me when I was a child... 
they're like, you running? That's weird. Wow. That's amazing, though. Yeah. That's great. So let me ask you this then. <clears throat> I don't enjoy running. But let's say I would turn a leaf and start running. What would be some key things that you would say when you start off running, especially if you've never ran before, these are the things that you need to have in order? First of all, you need good shoes. Okay. You definitely do. When and I, I understand that, and I'm sorry to cut no, you off do there. It, do it. No, no, continue, and then I'll cut you <laughs> off again. I, I know exactly what I want to ask. Well, because it's funny, because when I started running with Brendan, I was wearing shoes, I kid you not, that I'd had since I was 14. Amazing. And they were hand-me-downs at that point. Uh, amazing. And I was in my mid-20s at this okay. point. So it was a joke. Right. So Brendan said, you know, we're taking you to the running room and you're getting shoes. And uh, I was skeptical, but it really did make a difference. So really? You have to have So shoes. you have to have running shoes to yes. run. Yeah. And there's a difference between running shoes and sneakers and... Yeah. Um, other sort of um, sporting shoes or shoes that you would use for playing basketball or whatnot. whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, in terms of running shoes, they're just more flexible. They're, okay. more, they're designed to hit the pavement repetitively in that sort of fashion. Whereas like cross trainers or that sort of thing, they're right. really stiff because you just need ankle support if I you're see. lifting weights or doing that sort of thing. So, so you don't want a cross trainer if you're running. You want a proper running shoe to yeah. run in. It's easier. It's if easier. you're trying to run in cross trainers, it takes more energy. Oh, okay. And you can tire yourself out faster. <laughs> fair enough. Now, let me ask you this. With regards to the laces, do you do a tight lace-up or a loose lace-up or a medium? Like what's That's what? a great question. Yeah. It really all depends on... Uh, Personal the, preference? or well, Yeah, like the shape of your foot and then also your comfort level. So for myself, because I have... A, uh, I mean, I think we all have oddly shaped feet, technically, sure. but I have a really wide toe box, but really narrow feet in general. So mm-hmm. I need the laces to be really tight at the top of the shoe, like closer to my ankle, but mm-hmm. then they have to be really loose near the bottom. So it all has to do with figuring out what's the most comfortable for you. You definitely don't want to lace up the whole shoe like, you, you know, like you're wrapping up a burrito or something okay. because... If you're running for a while, your feet are going to get hot and expand. And then if they're too tight, you're just going to be in pain. Oh, that's a great. Now, you mentioned toe box. What is a toe box? <laughs> so when you look at a shoe, mm-hmm. um, if you take a look at it, there's the, the front of the shoe, like close to where your toes are. That mm-hmm. part of it, that construction, that's known as the toe box. Oh, I see. So from the toe, say, to, you know, the knuckle of your toe, would that be the like that? It's a bit bigger than that. Oh, it's, a bit, it's a bit longer. I would say it's probably like... You guys can't see what I'm doing right now, <laughs> but I would say it's probably about two and a half inches. Okay. So it goes to uh, past the first two uh, eyelets, I would say. That's okay. like your toe box. Oh, and then I you see. have the midfoot and then you have the heel. Wow. Yeah. The things you learn. Okay. So number one, make sure you have the proper shoe. Number two. Number two, uh, don't try to be too ambitious too fast oh, that's because bad. the common mistake that that a lot of people make, myself included, right. is you either try to go super fast or super far right off the bat. Right. And then when, when it's really hard or you can't do it, you know, because you're just starting out, you get very discouraged and then you give up. Like, that's what happens a lot. People okay. get excited about running and they go, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then they try to go out and do a 10K on their first day and they're like, why can't I do it? And then they just, there's like, see, I can't be a runner. So... I would say, and I told I told Nidhi this, Nidhi this as well. I said, pick one of two things: pick speed or pick distance. Oh. Focus on one at a time because to do both at once is is impossible. Right, not right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So would this be? Okay, here's my my advice, 
and I've never ran before. Okay? <laughs> the so <expert>. you, you <laughs> One thing about the Insomnia podcast is we never claim to be experts. We just sort of say our opinions and what works for us. So before you start any exercise regime, I should say, consult your doctor yes, and make sure absolutely. that um, she or he gives you the okay to run and et cetera. Totally. But, but okay. Assuming that I want to start running, this is what I would do. I would put on my runners, my proper running shoes, and I would run to my closest library, get a book on running, and run back. Because you know that library is going to be within less than a kilometer from your house if you live in the Usually, city, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good a good goal that's when you first start. That's a good way start. to start, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Look yeah, at yeah. that. Rules, Marco's rules of running. I've never run before. <laughs> publish a blog. <laughs> How about hydration? Uh, hydration is super important. Yeah. For myself, I am mm-hmm. <clears throat> not the kind of person that likes to run with water. Right. I've just like, never been that person. Okay. So whether it's a 10K or a 5K or a half marathon, I just don't like to carry things okay. because I don't like to, I just don't like to have things in my hands or on me really to weigh mm-hmm. me down. So I just like to drink a lot beforehand and then afterwards. And if you're okay. running an organized race, I always tell you know anybody that asks me, stop at every every water station. Okay. Even if you feel like you don't need it, stop, take a sip, and chuck a cup, and carry on. Wow. Because it'll make a difference later, especially for the longer distances. Now, have you run marathons or just half? Because you just said halves. half marathon. I don't know. If I have the stamina for a full 42.2 kilometers. Okay. Because that's like running two halves. And wow. That's, that's a lot. I mean, a half, a half marathon is also a lot, but... No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> impressed. I have friends who are runners who run marathons, and you and Nidia are running half marathons, so I'm really impressed because I'm not going to do any of those, uh, any of those <laughs> things anytime soon. It's not for me, that's for sure. But I will tell you what is for me. Oh, did you hear that? I don't know if our Whoa. listeners heard that crack of... <gasps> thunder in the distance but it started to rain which is going to be great because i have to get across I town know, I and i have to be dry but we'll figure that out but what is great is our sponsor casper.com and uh, our listeners of the insomnia project can get 50 dollars towards the purchase of their next mattress if they use the uh, promo code 50 sleep that's five zero sleep and they go to caspertrial.com slash insomnia and check out what they have to offer. I have to say like, you know, having a hundred days to, to test out your mattress is such a glorious and luxurious thing. And the fact that the mattress comes to your door, it's shipped right to you, Jen, I can't even tell you like, it's a dream. How great that is. Isn't it? And if it's not for you, you just tell them, come pick it up. It's not for me. That's great. But everyone I've spoken to who has a Casper mattress just loves it. Yeah. And the fact that it's made in North America, uh, that the quality is there, you can you can also get on their site a box spring, you can get uh, sheets, pillows, and even a dog bed. No way. Yeah, so I would invite you to thing. check it out. Go to caspertrial.com slash insomnia and just take a look at what they have to offer. And then if you are, you know, sold and you're like, I want a mattress, and then use the promo code 5050SLEEP and It'll come to your door. That's amazing. Simple as that. That's amazing. And, you know, when you're thinking about running, proper sleep is very important. You Are have you... to be well-rested. So this is So perfect. what happens? So what do you do before mar- uh, a, a race? 
like like the night before how do you get the sleep that you need like (laughs) like do you go to bed really early or do you yeah well it's hard the night before a race because you have the adrenaline you have the nerves because you're anticipating this and it's usually an early start so you know you have to wake up early Mm -hmm. so what i try to do about five days five to seven days out is i try to get into the rhythm of of going to bed earlier and just getting more sleep overall hard to do sometimes but that's what I try to do leading up to it. So then it's less of a big deal if I can't sleep the night before. But uh, but I do have, you know, like most athletes, I have my superstitious rituals. Oh. I eat the same thing before every race. Am I able to ask? Or yeah, okay. for sure. It's so... It started with my first half marathon that I ran, and uh, I've just been eating the same thing ever since. Sure. So usually, like really early at like six o'clock, and I usually eat at nine, so this is very early. I uh, have Caesar salad, oh, and tortilla chips and guacamole. That sounds great any time of the day, to be honest <laughs> right, with you. I know. And then I always have uh, one small glass of white wine before you run. Yeah. Why is that? Just a small one because it was it was another thing that was part of the the first experience okay, and so it calmed not, my nerves oh, a little okay. bit. It's like it's like a half a glass. It's not even like a full five ounce. But what kind of wine? It's usually a riesling. Okay, why riesling? It's just a better morning wine. Well, it's usually lower in alcohol. Okay, it's usually like between nine and eleven percent, as opposed to fourteen percent or something like that. Because you, the last thing you want is to be hungover running a race. Sure, it, I'm sure. sure it's miserable. I have friends that have done it. Oh, I have not. Fair enough. I'm sure it's miserable. <laughs> so, merging on to wine. Perfect. Uh, I should mention to our listeners that you're a sommelier. That is true. And uh, since I have so many, and we've talked about wine, Nidhi and I, but mm-hmm. I want your perspective. I want your perspective on North American wines. Oh, this is a great okay? question. <laughs> because, you know, we've talked, Nidhi and I have talked about Italian and French wines, but we're in the province of Ontario. What does Ontario do well, if they do well? In anything? The one, anything at all. <laughs> they really, honestly, they, they actually do Riesling very well. Mm-hmm. They do light white wines incredibly well because they have a similar um, climate and terrain to certain parts of uh, parts of Europe, particularly like Germany, where, right. where Mosul, like the Mosul region where Riesling mm-hmm. comes from. So because of the climate and the weather that they get and the humidity that they have in the escarpment area, it's just perfect for, for those kinds of uh, grapes. So like Riesling, um, Gewürztraminer even. And uh, the lighter white, or the lighter red wines, I should say, like Pinot Noirs. Sure, I love Pinot Noirs. Yeah, so basically anything that comes from, like, Germany, Mm -hmm. they can do really well. So anything that these colder, uh, old world places does well, like Germany or Austria or... Yeah, the cooler climate. The cooler climate, maybe Hungary. I don't know how how Hungary is for wine, but, like, I'm just trying to think of that sort of... Yeah, they have Tokai, amazing Tokai. (laughs) I thought Tokai was uh, from Friuli. Uh... No, not Tokai. Yeah, Tokai. He, the grape, right? Yes. We're talking about the now we Are have we a debate. The same one? But you know what? It would make sense. No, but it would make sense because of the Austro-Hungarian Empire that Friuli was a part of as well, that that wine would be, yeah. you know, yeah. in that zone, right? The way they, because they've divided the country so many times over the years. Like Alsace uh, was German, French, German, French, right. German, French. So it, it, there's interesting things there too. But it's hard to tell sometimes okay, I'm gonna the divisions. Push, I'm going to push. Old world wines aside, because okay. I've got an expert here. I want to talk about North American wines, in particular Canadian wines. We've touched on Ontario. You're from BC. Yes. Tell me, your 
BC wine preferences or what should one be looking if they're out in the West Coast? If they're in the West Coast, even if they're in, let's say, California, Oregon, Washington, that has great wines. Yeah. I'm not going to limit you just to BC wines, but what would you say? If you're out in that way, try this. BC does Sauvignon Blanc really well. Really? Yeah, they do. I mean, and I'm not a huge Sauvignon Blanc fan. Sure. It's probably my least favorite varietal, but because most of British Columbia where they have the vines and the vineyards now mm. used to be orchard. So oh. they, and Sauvignon Blanc has a nice green apple characteristic to it. And so that comes through from the soil and it just, for something about it, it just brings out that flavor profile. Oh. So again, BC does the whites really, really well, mm -hmm. especially if you're in the Northern part. So if you're talking about like the Naramata bench, okay. really focus on the whites. So Sauvignon Blanc. No idea Blanc. what that means, but that's cool. I don't have to. <laughs> no, not till you get there. It's fine. <laughs> so if you're in the Northern region, okay. yeah, you like stick to the, to the whites, the crisp whites. So even uh, unoaked Chardonnays and that sort of thing mm -hmm. really nice if you go south sort of to oliver soyas because it's a desert and that it's a desert in that region they do some reds really well okay so yeah i mean and they're experimenting with things like malbec you know which they've introduced over the last several years that that is an argentinian grape variety right. so it needs a hot climate mm -hmm. so i always say if you want the reds go south if you want the whites go north. oh that's a good what an easy great way to sort of uh you know I don't know what you'd call it, but a great tip sort of when you're out west and you're looking for wines. Yeah. White goes up north, the mm. great white north. <laughs> south you go for reds, yeah. eh? There you go. Okay, so let's move a little bit east. You're in Quebec now. Yes. Are you able to talk about wines from the eastern part of Canada or Quebec? A little bit. Amazing. Um, I always put people on the spot. I don't even. We don't even talk about. Listen, I'm going to be quizzing you on wine, Jen. I'm just surprise. There you go. But no, no, tell us good. about wine from Quebec, from that, from Eastern Canada. Well, Quebec is really. It's not really known as the wine region, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the thing that you want to think about when you go to Quebec is cider. They do oh, cider really well. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's not all available in the SAQ, so right. you, you, it's better to go to the actual cidery. The SAQ. It's the, the LCBO equivalent. Yeah, so is, it's our government liquor right. store. Yeah, thank you. So for our American or international listeners, um, alcohol is really regulated in Canada, and it's provincially regulated in particular. So for example, in this province of Ontario, we have what is known as the L. CBO, which is the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, and in Quebec they have the SQA, is it? SAQ. SAQ, sorry, which stands for... Société d'Alcool de Québec. There you go. So, anyways, continue. I always like to, because otherwise what will inevitably happen is we'll mention things that mm -hmm. we know. And people go, what people is that? What is that? So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I always say to people too, you know... That, Look for whatever your region does well. Sure. So Quebec does cider really well. We have so many apple orchards. A big thing is apple picking in the fall. Of course. And, and so that's really where where you want to go. But um, they're doing the whites really well mm -hmm. also because it, we're not that far away from Ontario. Sure. So we have some climates that are similar. You mm -hmm. know, we have the cold winters and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, there are some wineries that are creating some interesting whites, playing around with some lighter reds as well. We don't have as many wineries as they do in Ontario, okay. but definitely the Eastern Township region is right. is kind of known for their uh, route des vins. Certainly, 
while Quebec may not be the biggest wine producing part of Canada, they certainly love to drink wines. Yes. And I know that because we were in a restaurant in Quebec <laughs> and they were like, and we were having cocktails and we just said, we're just going to drink cocktails. And they're like, we can yeah. tell you're from Ontario because all you guys do is drink cocktails. We drink wine. I'm like, we drink wine too. We just saw your cocktail list and we decided to go forward with that. Yeah, they do. They, and especially French wine, which mm-hmm. is why you get, that's we have such an abundance of French wine in mm-hmm. the SAQ and it's the easiest for us to get. I see. So we're really we're sort of inundated with French mm-hmm. with French wine with good reason. I mean, French wine is amazing. I love it. Sure. Um, but that's definitely the largest selection. And wow. yeah, they love they love their wine. Isn't that interesting? Now, I had a wine from Nova Scotia years ago. That was incredible. It was a red from uh, Annapolis Valley. Oh, cool. Couldn't tell you. Do you think I took a picture? Or it was one of the best <laughs> wines I've had in my life. I know, even We picked it up it. in, um, you know when they do these sort of, uh, oh, I don't know what they're called. So silly. When, you know, different, different like farms and stuff oh, will yeah. sell to the public and it's a little farmer's market. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there you go. You know when different farms sell Come to the market? Come together and have a market. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> it was a farmer's market and I just picked up a bottle of red and it was one of the best reds. And they also do great blueberry wine. Oh, yeah. In, um, in out east, in Nova Scotia in particular. Yeah. It's a, the climate thing again because mm-hmm. they've got the, the humidity because they're near the ocean. Yeah. Any interesting place that's making wine now that isn't known for its wine that you're like you know if you're gonna try something adventurous try a wine from in canada or, in or the anywhere world? in the world no that's a great question you know what i will say mm-hmm. is that australia mm-hmm. is really redeeming itself sure in recent years australia kind of used to be the place where people would think okay boxed wine if you right. really want like a really artificially oaked cheap sort of thing but there's a lot of uh, wineries that are making some really sophisticated, interesting, uh, interesting wine. So if you're not a fan, I, I am encouraging everybody, just go back and give it another chance. Right, because I, I know that there's a bottle that has a kangaroo that jumps on it. That was really popular yes. a few years back that every, you would see this everywhere. And I was always like, Yellowtail. Meh, yeah. right? It wasn't necessarily the wine for me. Yeah. And, you know, you can get turned off from a wine region when you have sort of a influx of a particular wine from that area that everyone associates with that area and oh, then you're absolutely. like I don't want that wine I don't want that wine from that country I'll go somewhere else right yeah so you're saying come back to Australia yeah give it a go then some of the the smaller houses or mm-hmm. the names you're not as familiar with mm-hmm. um try them because they're doing interesting stuff mm-hmm. same thing with South Africa right they have a grape that you can only get in South Africa Ooh, I need to know this I'm grabbing a paper what grape is that it's a uh, pinotage I don't even know how to spell that, but peanut. P-I-N-O-T-A-G-E. All one word? Yeah. Oh, cool. And it was a grape that was created to grow in their specific climate because it's very, very hot and very dry. And it's got, it's a, it's a dark red and it's very dry and it's got flavors of coffee. And if you like wines that are in your face. Bold. Bold in your face. Don't make any excuses for what right. they are. This is a wine they that's for you. Oh, and I cool. like it because it's interesting and there's there's not really anything else like it. See, I love wines that are, like, I might not like the wine, but the idea that the wine only comes from there and that is uh, its own varietal and it has its own sort of distinct characteristic, I love trying those things. Yeah, it's so, so cool. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, it escaped me just now. Oh, I can't think. It'll come to me. Kind of like orange wines from Italy. Right. Because they, they, they always... They kind of 
taste funky. Sure. They taste like something's like not right, but right. and I love that that interesting that interesting thing. I mean, I tried a wine a couple of years ago here mm-hmm. in uh, in Toronto. Uh, they had an event, and it was a it was a wine that was produced with wild yeast only. Oh, and it was so interesting. Really, it was just like full of these crazy earthy flavors and stuff that you don't normally find because you, you can't really get that from a cultivated yeast. Right. And I, so I always say, you know, if you have an opportunity to try something strange or out of the box, do it. Right. Because that, that is so interesting. Wow. Where do you sit with sparkling wines? Oh, I love it. Oh. If I ever, if I could have it every day, I would. Really? You I'm should. It's really good fan. for your brain. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. That is right. And uh, Brendan, the brain man, will attest to that. We'll have to have Brendan, the brain man, on our yeah, podcast. You should. And Jen, we, I think we're going to do a part two with you because we only touch the tip of the wine iceberg with you. And yeah, we've come so to the much. end of the show. Oh, already? Yeah. Man, that went so fast. It did. Jen, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Thank you for having me. I want to formally thank you for the work that you did at the Nuit Blanche uh, Insomnia Project. My so, pleasure. You know. Thank you. And uh, once again, if you'd like to follow Jen, you can go to Jen C. Viennes at on her Twitter. I shouldn't say at Nat. So that's that one. And then you, you can find it on our show notes in case you're wondering as well. Her Instagram is at Jen Viennes. Jen, thank you so much. Thank you. We want to thank our sponsor, Casper.com. Go to caspertrial.com slash insomnia so that you can get $50 off the purchase of your next mattress. Until next time, the Insomnia Project was recorded in Toronto, Canada, and we wish you well. <laughs>